0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the
1: hospitality industry right now. Is there a world in which travelers like me who like to stay in nice places, who do have flexibility because they can go anywhere with work? Is there a way they follow some of the most incredible homes around the country, around the world and then get notified when they become available? And is there a way where you could create a system where those emails that get sent offer some sort of meaningful discount? where if we're two weeks out, places available, and I book today, I could score up to 30% off of that stay or whatever it might be, right? Is there a system where that works?
0: You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do you can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today i'm your host will slickers and you're listening to an episode of slick talk the hospitality podcast now let's begin All right, Nathan, welcome back to A Minute with Minute on Slick Talk. And we're going to jump into the question today of what is the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to what Minute does and doesn't do? Great question, Will. I I think the biggest misunderstanding is probably that we do more than just noise. Uh, I know we'll
1: cover that in another Minute with Minute. So for now, I'm going to major specifically on the noise feature itself. Many people think that we can let you know when there's noise in your unit. And that's the end. But what we can actually do uh, with our pro account is import the data for your guests when they're staying, what's their phone number, et cetera, and then allow you to automate communication with that guest when there's a noise event. So what we hear from many of our users is after sending even one text message to the guest, letting them know that there's noise, they tend to quiet down because they don't realize that they're being noisy so in many cases if you use our automation you may actually resolve the problem with no input from yourself just an automated message from
0: the system asking them to quiet down and then the noise issue is over i love it you heard it here first folks a minute with minute and now back to the episode all right slick talkers welcome back to another episode and today i get to interview another fellow podcaster one who has a way better podcast voice than i do too, who has just been become a rising star in our industry from his podcast behind the stays. So I'm really excited to welcome Zach Booza Cruz to the show. And Zach, my friend, it's so great to have you on and someone that actually has really good audio and video. So it's going to be a great episode.
1: <laughs> uh, dude, it's honestly a pleasure, man. And it's been so fun getting to learn from you. And we've only been connected, not even a It's been like six months, but... it's been fun to be connected learn from you learn from what you're building at hospitality fm it's just so impressive so i'm just honored to be here and excited for our chat today
0: dude speaking of impressed we were talking about this before hitting record and it's just the way you've made this wave in the industry not being an operator yourself but i want to hear a story like where does everything begin for zach professionally and then also getting into this world of short-term rentals and hospitality
1: yeah, great question. So it begins relatively recently during covid my my wife and I we were living in Washington DC. I was I'm a growth marketer by trade. so I was leading growth at an agency and doing some podcasting there actually. I started a podcast for that agency. It's where I first fell in love with this like medium right where you and it, I think it's just because I like talking a lot. And so when you like to talk a lot, and you like talking to interesting people podcasting i feel like is where you end up yeah. so i was was working at a growth agency and my wife she's actually an attorney so we were both working like pretty intense jobs and during COVID, we're on Zoom calls all the time, right? We were in a 700 square foot apartment in DC and it just wasn't working out. It wasn't And we were like very newly married too. So I was like, geez, man, this is not a good indicator. We're just stressed all the time. You know, on top of each other, we need some more space. So we argue about whose idea it was to this day, but one of us, one of us said to the other at, at some point, what if we, broke our lease and just went Airbnb hopping. And we, the other at the time, we thought that that was a crazy idea. And then we'd flip and flop between, one of us being like, no, we should do it. And the other being like, hell no, it's a terrible decision. We don't know what's happening. But long story short, we ended up getting on the road we broke our lease and we spent the next 15 months traveling full time, not staying mm-hmm. more than a week in a short term rental. And I do just want to off the cuff say this was before I knew anything about the industry. So when I say yeah. like we lived on Airbnb, like we exclusively used <laughs> the app to like and stay. I knew nothing about direct bookings. I knew nothing about this grander world of short term rentals and vacation rentals and had no idea that the word Airbnb could be so triggering to folks. Now I've (laughs) learned like a lesson or two. But at the time, it's all I knew, right? And so we literally used the map view on Airbnb. We'd plan our travel about a week in advance and we spent the next 15 months living again full-time on Hmm. Airbnb. And along the way, I started meeting incredible hosts. And that was really the, the entry point into my interest in the industry was just meeting these remarkable people who were retired flight attendants or people who were entrepreneurs who had just sold off a company and they had bought a portfolio of 10 really cool unique stays right or the mom and pop that has was their vacation rental their family's vacation rental that they've had for years and they just did a renovation to it and they were so proud of it and really it was these people uh who were serving up just these wonderful experiences. And again, this was in the heat of COVID too where a lot of folks had tons of cancellations and I think hosts were going the extra mile, right? For the yeah. guests that were yeah. able to still make it out. And that was where I first realized, well, there's something special about this space and I wanna learn a little bit more more about it. So that was my first forte into even realizing that I knew what hospitality was, but I had always just associated with, it with hotels, right? And so this idea yeah. of like hospitality being a business right in the vacation rental and short-term rental space was foreign but then meeting these hosts really helped me realize that there's a there's a special place here and i want to learn more about it so i I just got
0: curious so i'm seeing a pattern with you curiosity seems to be a big driver for a lot of things in your life going also into a growth marketing. I would love to know just from an early age, what was Zach like running around through elementary and middle school and high school? Were you always that curious, always wanted to discover or did something, was there a certain spark or a moment in your life where that kind of switch turned on? Yeah, I, I was asking my mom about this recently
1: and so she claims, and I feel like you can't really trust moms because they're totally <laughs> yeah. biased, So she claims that at 10 years old, I like approached her and I said, Hey mom, I want to change the world. And I have no recollection of saying this, but that's yeah. apparently what I said. And then I think she says something along the lines of like, all right, you gotta be a really good person. You gotta work like really hard if you want to do that. And so I think the idea of like hard work was always ingrained in me. And yeah, I think actually to be candid. I was always interested in media like i i used i thought i wanted to go to usc and do film school there that was like the goal for i'd say probably like later elementary school and into middle school and i think what it really was is i was always moved by like people's stories right this idea that everyone has got a story everyone's story is so unique and by sharing people's stories it really helps change your perspective right or at least offers a new perspective and i think that idea was just always attractive to me. And if I could use story as like a way to influence people to mm. broaden their horizons, that would be a big win. And so I think, I was curious, I was always curious about people, I-, I guess is a better way was I always curious about like the world? I don't know, but I was definitely always curious about what, what makes will tick, why is will the way that will is, and I want—I want to understand why will is the way that,
0: you know, will is. I think that's where you and I very much are. Similar. That's the same thing with me on the podcast. It's just more people-driven. I love the stories. And I want to know: Was Zach always curious when he was in elementary school, or did he like have a moment where it just flipped on? And so for you, it's it's really cool to hear. And I'm curious because you've done over what a hundred interviews and episodes with your show already in such a short period of time. I love that you said perspective is something that I think we could all try to gain more of, and. Yeah. I'm curious to hear your lessons learned along the way of a hundred plus conversations with different perspectives and different stories as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say right off the bat,
1: I learned that some people get offended when you call their places, Airbnb's right. <laughs> and they're uh, short-term rental operators who have worked really hard to build these really incredible brands. And it's almost just like a, a, a kick in the stomach when you mm-hmm. talk about their places as an Airbnb. So I, I learned, I guess lingo right is more important to some people than others that said and i don't know that this is a particularly like hot take but what i like to tell people which i which i do think is worth like remembering specifically on the airbnb note is to your average consumer to people outside of the industry they just they know airbnb and they don't know short-term rental it's a four it's a long ass term first and foremost it's hard it's what it's so cumbersome and even vacation rentals, like people don't even say that. And I don't know that they ever said that. They might say like a beach home or we, yeah. hey, we're going to go vacation and stay in like the, this home in the mountains, right? But even like the term vacation rental, right? It's not common with respect to consumers. And actually right before we hopped on, Will, I was doing some quick like little, I'm an SEO like nerd. So I was doing some, some digging around like how like what are the terms that people actually search for around like the vacation rental industry? And if you just Google like vacation rental deals, right, the average person, the average monthly search volume that that term has is about 20 to 50 in a given month. Now, again, depending on the tool that you use, this will vary the average search for Airbnb rental, right? Or like our last minute Airbnb versus last minute vacation rental, right? It's four to five to in some cases, 10x depending on the variation of the keyword. Now, again, this isn't traffic that is starting on Airbnb. This is these are people starting on Google. And all that is to say is that like, Airbnb has such a a breadth and depth that people should not be so offended by, by the term. Because again, if you're trying to track travelers which many of us are right it's what they're going it's whether you like it or not it's how they're going to refer to you until they know a different way so i don't think from an entry standpoint it's worth getting so upset over once they're in your place right that's your opportunity to like market to them and show them another way and teach them about your direct booking site and all that fun stuff but at face value when you're trying to attract new a new guest just go spend your time worrying about something else don't be don't be hemming and hawing over the fact that people are calling your place an airbnb anyway so that, that's just a, a quick little hot take on that but for some other learnings one, one learning is i do feel like there's this moment happening where people we're seeing sort of things get smaller right where i feel like for the last de- several decades and this is true outside of hospitality right it's always been better like bigger is better bigger is better more more right like amazon right the everything store And now I think what's happening is there are all these like boutique operators that are popping up. And I actually think like boutique is cool again, this idea Mm -hmm. of finding, especially as a millennial traveler, like the idea of finding like a gem that no one's heard of, right. Or that's different or special. Like that's what you want to show off on Instagram. You don't want to show off like staying at the Hilton, right? That's great. But like what you really want is you want to show off that you found this really cool brand. It's this uh, operator that's got 10 to 15 properties. It's super boutique and you found them on Instagram, right? And now you're staying in their place and you wanna show that off. So I think one of the things that I've learned is there's been this move, this shift to at least desiring these boutique memorable experiences that aren't just the big box names, if you will. And that's been a really interesting thing that I think I've learned from the host side of things and then also from the traveler side of things, like this stronger desire to move and shift and actually spend in a way that prioritizes boutique.
0: It kind of goes into the side of, from the operator side, this is something you have ownership on. This is special to you. It represents a part of you in some way or form, right? I think we all have that emotional piece of us that goes into our work when we create our own thing. And then for the traveler, for them, it becomes their place, right? Like it's not just like the common hotel, that's downtown Denver or downtown, whatever city you're in. And everyone goes to, because they're traveling for business and it's easy access to the train or whatever it might yeah. be, it's like, this becomes your special spot, just like how we all have, like maybe our special coffee spot or our special cocktail hour or places we go with certain friend groups that are just very special, like moment, yeah. not momentarily, but moment Terry moment. I don't know if uh, that makes yeah, sense, yeah. but like momentaries. No, no, yeah. So I think. That is super special in our industry because you're right. Boutique is now becoming a very popular word. And I think a lot of people are very excited for having ownership and something that used to be so at far out of sight when it comes to owning a hotel or a restaurant. Now it's very easy, at least easier, lower barrier to entry. I would love to know your thoughts and you mentioned going into this part of the conversation but last minute deals and like all this other stuff in the seo piece so for the listeners that don't know because we did talk a little bit you have a podcast behind the stays we also have a twice a week newsletter called spontaneous which is such a clever name i'm like you are a hundred percent a marketer and (laughs) i am just curious from your journey and travels of 15 months of living on the airbnb platform and in the homes of many operators, I'm curious, how was this created and what made you want to bring this to light rather than just keep doing what you were doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So w- one of the things we, so my wife and I, we like nice things, which is unfortunate because we can't always afford nice things. Right. <laughs> but, but so one of the things, one of the, our big challenges was like, all right, like we, we want to try to find places that are beautiful places that are inspirational places that again, we were working full time, like this wasn't a vacation, right. So we knew we needed, we knew we needed places where we could feel inspired to do our work. And I in particular do a lot of creative work. So I was like, I need I need natural light, like I need these places to be beautiful. I can't be in like an 11th floor like studio apartment, right? That's not my form of like travel. And that's not what That that wasn't what we were looking for. That's what we were trying to escape from. Right. Mm -hmm. So we intentionally were going after places that were beautiful, that were also like different and maybe a little bit unique. And so what we would try to do is we would, again, using the map view, this was really kind of like what we did. We pretty much exclusively used the map view because I felt like it, I don't know, at least at the time. There seemed to be like more inventory that would pop pop up than on the list view. And or because we were, I guess what it really was is we were super flexible. Like we could, this was before, by the way, Airbnb had like that flexibility feature where Mm -hmm. now you can be like, oh, like I want to stay for a week in this state. And then they show you like all your options. This was before that We, we, we could go anywhere. Right. And we knew we never wanted to drive more than five or six hours in a day. So that was like the basic parameter that we were using. So anyways. What we'd find is we'd find that if we could be flexible with our dates, right? We could score these remarkable deals. This is before we even knew what like dynamic pricing was. And, and again, this was such a turbulent time too, in the market where like travel was getting back, but like Mm -hmm. also at the same time, all these new Airbnbs, all these new short term rentals were coming onto the market as people were buying all these homes. Right. So supply was like crazy, which also, and and demand was still like taking a, it, it, it hadn't caught up yet. And so we were in this sweet spot where we could actually score these remarkable discounts, right, on these gorgeous places. So anyways, we started sending these places that we were staying to family and friends and being like, dude, like this is normally 600 bucks a night, but we got it for 300 bucks a night for these three <laughs> nights or whatever, Tuesday to a Thursday or whatever it was. And people would be like, how is that happening? Like, how are you finding these? And before we knew it, people started, random people were asking to be added to like our list and our list was really like a group chat. Like it wasn't a. List. Yeah. and so being the the growth market, I, am, I was like, Hey, maybe there's like an opportunity for like, a newsletter here. And this was also when like, everyone was starting a newsletter and like, everyone like newsletter were like super, super hot. I threw up a quick landing page on Webflow, threw up some copies saying like, hey, sign up to get the best last minute deals on Airbnb. And that was it. Like, literally that's all I did. And then Sam Parr, who's a popular kind of like podcaster, he started the company called The Hustle, which was acquired by HubSpot. And he's just like a media giant media guru he saw it and ended up tweeting it out and that was how we got like our first several hundred subscribers and stuff like that which was super cool so pretty much and that was before we had ever launched the first edition so the basic premise was like we were scraping airbnb we were scrolling through top rated listings and then selecting deals that we thought were both beautiful and also reasonable like real discounts and then we were sending these out to folks in a very like simple newsletter so that's how sponsania started where it is today we have 11 different newsletters broken up by different wow. regions around the world. And we've got scrapes that happen actually daily now. And then we have all these systems set up in place to curate the best offerings
0: from each week's scrape. So that's how that works. That's, yeah, I was just gonna ask, are you personally scrolling through Airbnb and finding all these? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> how do you have even time to be on this podcast right now? I'd be stuck behind a computer. That's how it started, man. That's how it started. But no, we've gotten a little bit more sophisticated since. Yeah. Okay. I was like, man, I'm glad that there's some scraping behind there. Yeah. I, would have, I, I don't know if I'd be able to do that back in the day of scraping and going through it by myself, but I'm curious, one awesome story. And I just love that, how it naturally flowed together, like just your travels and experience to then the group chat that became a newsletter and now Sam Pard somehow discovers it. And like you said, a legend in the media space. I got to talk with HubSpot during podcast movement in August in Dallas last year, right? When they, I think acquired the hustle oh, or, nice. they, or not the hustle. Yeah. Was it the hustle? Yeah, the, hustle oh. the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. Coming. Yeah. So it was a crazy time, but man, what did you do when you saw Sam Parr tweeted out where you just, and also do you feel like it was, I always love asking this question of entrepreneurs in our industry and outside of our industry of, do you feel like your success and obviously there's different definitions for success. So, you know, people can take that with a grain of salt. Do you feel like the timing of it was just very like well executed? Do you think if you started spontaneous at that phase a year later or a year mm-hmm. before, do you think something like that would have had happened and catapulted you to being able to now have scrapes and all these systems in place? Or do you think it would have been very much like a still a bootstrap and a scrappy startup? That's a
1: good question. First and foremost, what I will say is that while Sampar found it, tweeted it out, and whatnot, I had done. I I like used Sampar's tactics on him for like, probably like six months previous to that. I mean, like I I, I think I might have. I was not a, an OG fan of my first million or anything like that, which is their popular podcast. But I definitely started listening pretty early. Like it must have been within the first like fifteen or twenty episodes. So it was pretty pretty early that I found their show and I started listening to it. And I was just inspired, man. Like these people were talking about how to build cool companies. They were talking a lot about, hey, growth tactics that they had used, sales tactics that they had used to grow their respective organizations. And one of the things, Sam Parr is a big copywriting nerd and he's big on like the power of a cold email and all this stuff. So I I had six months before Sponsanies came to be, I had a couple of other ideas and I had pitched some small things to both Sam and Sean via email just to try to see if i could get them to like respond right to me that was just i was like just get a response and uh, actually sean Purry, who's the co-host of my first million he responded to two of my emails actually sam never responded to an email (laughs) but when i started this airbnb adventure and i was going to start this podcast called behind the stays i had sent him something else about travel or whatever so I have a suspicion that like even if it was his subconscious somehow like he like associated something with me and Mm -hmm. and he had just been talking about the power of copywriting and why he really likes a good headline and then i think he found our headline and just like really liked the headline and shared it as an example so there there was definitely some stuff behind the scenes that i had kind of plant seeds that i had planted but to answer your question I don't think, I think a year later would have been too late, to be honest. And mm. I think to be a thousand percent candid, right now it's like it, there are some aspects of life that are returning to normal. Like people, it's definitely been harder. Like our growth rate has slowed in terms of just people that are signing up for these like last minute deals. Where a year ago, a lot of people were still able to work full time remotely. Right. And so yeah. the ability to go and very quickly book a last minute stay and travel somewhere else was just easier than it is now. I, there's still 30 plus percent of the population that have the ability to work full-time remotely. So I don't, you know, last minute deals are going away anytime soon, but I do think if we had waited ab- about a year, it just wouldn't have taken off so quickly. It wouldn't
0: have been such a, like a quick hit, if you will. So yeah, definitely lucky, definitely lucky. So what is your roadmap kind of goal for spontaneous now knowing yes yeah it can slow down but just because it's slowing down a little doesn't mean it's like i'm sure you have plenty of ideas so i'm curious what's phase two phase three whatever the phase level you're going into or wanting to go into look like for because i'm also very curious like monetization from it you and i are both the media so like how does how does this all work and become the sphere of, of what you're building Yeah, yeah. I wanna be super like transparent off the cuff here. And this is still a very
1: humble business, like a a humble enterprise. And I just I literally just left my day job at the end of January and it's just starting to figure out like, okay, hey, this hasn't died. In fact, it's only grown. There's been I've met Great people like Will Slickers, and there's momentum, and I'm I'm finally like meeting people in the hospitality space, of which again I know nothing, right? I really don't. I fell into this space very accidentally, and had we all well did. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. <laughs> and so, just quite frankly, like understanding, like I, I remember a Goog- I had to just Google a bunch of terms. Like I hear people on podcasts, like you will, and drop an acronym, and I'd be like, "What the hell is that?" And yeah. I have to go like RevPan, right? Like, what is that like? And just all this stuff that I just didn't know, right? And so I'm very—I feel like a sponge. I'm just trying to like absorb as much as I can right now. But mm-hmm. that said, what I'm trying to do, and I, this might not be possible, will, and there's like a a super strong possibility that this just goes like nowhere. But really, what I'm wrestling with is I have to believe, based off of the people in my networks and the followings that some of these short-term rentals have on Instagram, like that there's a way to connect these luxury, like unique, unexpected escapes with travelers who want to go and experience something different and can do so somewhat flexibly. So what I'm trying to do is, there's the following really that Behind The Stays has, is Behind The Stays has cultivated this audience of people that have unique stays, right? So E-Frames, tree houses, like these really cool domes, the homes, they have instagram accounts for their homes and these instagram accounts have hundreds of thousands of followers right yeah that's behind the stays audience we don't have a ton of operators that are listening to our podcast per se or even folks that have been in the industry for a long time these are newer folks most of whom came from outside the industry they got interested in creating these beautiful unique experiences and decided to just launch an instagram page for their home and it's taken off so that's the audience that we have what these, these hosts, they typically don't struggle with like huge gaps of availability. Gosh, that was hard (laughs) um, (laughs) good. but right. More and more, they'll have a few nights in the middle of the week that like pop open or like last minute cancellations have been like on the rise. And so they need some tooling to help meet the sort of demand that, that exists when a cancellation does come through. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out like, is there an opportunity for folks that have unique stays, and by the way unique stays can be defined in a lot of different ways it's not just a tree house right you might have no. a run-of-the-mill single-family home but you've cultivated a truly unique experience inside that home and that would meet my criteria here but is there a way to marry these mostly booked like rarely free but when they do become free there's a lot of people that want to go stay at that place. So is there a social network you could create, for example, where you're following, right? You, people wish list Airbnbs all the time. That's great. What if there was a way to understand beyond just the number of people that had wish listed your stay? What if there, what if you could have a little bit more data around who those folks are, right? What yeah. if you could have access to their email address? Like, they're a prospect, they're not a guest, but what if you, what if hosts could get access to some of that information? Is there a world in which travelers like me who like to stay in nice places, who do have flexibility because they can go anywhere with work. Is there a way they follow some of the most incredible homes around the country, around the world, and then get notified when they become available? And is there a way where you could create a system where those emails that get sent offer some sort of meaningful discount where if we're two weeks out, place is available, and I book today, I could score up to 30% off of that stay or whatever it might be, right? Is there a system where that works?
0: All right, Slick Talkers, now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Ventory and Safely. About Ventory, we've had Brooke Fots on the podcast, who's a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data, and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers, just like you, scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, a.k.a. more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line for all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory. You can get a free digital copy of Brooks book called from zero to 500 properties in five years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Ventory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within 3 business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode.
1: You've got folks like Wimstay, great, great yeah. example of, of an OTA that's doing this. Wimstay though is not really focusing on like that unique category or even like that Lux category. They're, they're a great tool for people that want just a basic kind of last minute stay. What Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do is say, is there an opportunity to focus on the higher end, truly unique stays, the Instagram stays and marry that with the demographic of traveler that wants to stay in a nice place and can go somewhere last minute? I don't know if (laughs) I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this will work, but I think that there's enough momentum in what I've seen so far with our newsletters that there's definitely a hunger there. I think the question is, what's the right meal to serve these people? And I don't know that I figured that out yet.
0: The right meal, but also how do you serve that meal when everyone is so diversified on tech, right? So mm-hmm. if a unique stay tree house and a unique stay dome have a last minute cancellation, but you have this curated list of hungry, want to have these unique opportunities to stay at a property like that. But one's on Guesty for Host and one's yeah. on Hostaway, Away or yeah. one's on any property management software and they're just on Airbnb or maybe a mix of like a iCal link up between Verbo and Airbnb itself. How do you serve? That's the question. I think that's super hard because we're so fragmented, not just in property style button operations and tech. So yeah, that's, that's cool. the hard part. And I'm curious to like, cause you're what you're talking about now, this has got me all fired up cause I'm a big fan of book direct and building a brand rather than just being a Airbnb host or even like a brand company, but that doesn't have their own infrastructure on the back end. Yeah. Is how do you how do you serve that? And I'm curious from your perspective. You've had over 100 interviews. You've got to chat with amazing companies. Wanderer was one of them that you've had on the show, and yeah. you had a lot of these cool cabin and treehouse and dome people that I've seen on your Instagram, which are beautiful. And I'm just curious, what's your learnings and takeaway from like how do you serve that to them if there is no a yeah. hunger? And that meal that you're trying to create which i love that i love that analogy by the way so i love that you said it's, that it's like really good making stuff up as we go Will.
1: but no i think what you just said is spot on there there is no system honestly half the people that i've had on my show who again have collectively close to a million followers across platforms like many many people that have close to that for again their cabin or the treehouse or whatever it is like they don't have a pms right or they have a pms but it they they only have four properties that are a part of their collection. And so it's just, they treat it differently. They really are using it for email automation and maybe some calendar syncing and that's it. Like they're barely scratching the surface of what like their PMS can do. And so what I do think is hard is like a lot of folks and I've, it's been, it's been such a privilege because again, I know nothing about this space. I'm just like making stuff. I just like connecting with people and then people reach out. Right. And like, I've had lots of people who have, I've hopped on the phone with, and they've got this idea they want to invest or they want to do something. And the problem is I don't want to build another OTA. And I feel like that's everyone's trying to push me and push us in this direction of build, just build like an OTA and I'm like, yeah. I'm bootstrapping this thing. Like, I don't want to, I can't like <laughs> compete against Airbnb. And you know, there are lots of other like niche OTAs, like whimstay, who I've already mentioned, who are doing like really great stuff. They also have 150 plus people on their team. They just raised another round. They just closed like a $10 million. round. Like, that's amazing. Like, and I'm so happy for that. And I think by the way, they're onto something, Yeah. but like work it takes to do that until I have a super, super clear, like path of like the market really is hungry for these super unique last minute stays which again i think i have some data that says that they are but enough to inject that amount of capital in it right now no like i i don't i don't feel comfortable with that i'm still learning exactly where what the product market fit looks like i have i would say the silhouette of that but i'm still learning very much so anyways if you but if you don't want to be an ota right then the question becomes okay what value are you bringing to host like zach how do you make money so mm-hmm. what we do partner with hosts and what we do is we you pay a, an annual subscription and anytime your property is free during our curation window we include it in our newsletter we include it on in our website during that window right so i've been leveraging ourselves as hey we're a marketing channel for you right we're not an ota we don't no one can book through spontaneous right we're not a booking engine like we are sending traffic to your website but what's crazy is like most of the time most of our host partners we're sending them right back to their airbnb listing like they don't even have their direct booking or their direct booking site many of them actually have direct booking sites but they're so bad And or their direct booking engine is so bad that they don't even want to send guests to that. So Mm -hmm. they're paying me to literally like take the traffic that is coming to Spontaneous and send that traffic back to Airbnb. It's just, it is just wild, but that is like God's honest truth of kind of like where we're at right now. What I'd love to do, what I'd really love to be able to do is I, so right now we've, I've done a bunch of work to rank we rank number one for last minute airbnb deals so if you google last minute airbnb deals the spontaneous ranks number one organically which is super cool right and yeah. awesome and there are thousands of people that every month are searching for that term right and we rank number one so we have this traffic that we're generating and we have people that are then subscribing right and signing up for hey i want to get last minute weekend long deals in the midwest or whatever it is mm-hmm. what i'd love to be able to do is i'd love to marry all those people with host direct booking sites right from all these places so what i'd love what i'd love to be able to do is streamline this so i'm introducing folks to the ability that like hey you can book direct because you don't like Mm -hmm. will unless you were in this industry you have no idea i'm telling my friends all the time about hey before you book on airbnb try to google that place and try to see if you can figure out what the name of it is and it's always Mm -hmm. hard right sometimes like the airbnb like title is so different than the name of the actual cabin or whatever it is. But I'm like, look, spend 15 minutes, try to Google, try to find their direct booking site. And I guarantee you'll save at least 10-15% if not even more just booking direct. And I've had friends who are now like, Oh my gosh, dude, thank you so much. Like I I did it and like it worked and I saved so much money. So if yeah. there was a way to marry these direct booking sites for these really unique stays with these hungry travelers who are looking for last minute deals, but also want elevated experiences. I think that there's a lot of magic there. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. And I want to figure out how to do that.
0: I love the whole conversation around this too. I love your perspective on, because I I gave up basically trying to tell people, yeah, short-term rentals, it's not Airbnb, it's vacation rentals. And yeah, like I'll say it to industry friends who I know that like the differentiator, right? But yeah. what you're doing is you're meeting the audience where they're at rather than trying to make them meet you at your place of you no, know, we're not ranking number one for short-term rentals or last minute short-term rentals. We're ranking number one for last minute Airbnbs because yeah. that's where they're at. And at the end of the day, love it or hate it, it is what it is. That's it how what it I, is. I tell any of my friends, oh, I have a short-term rental company. they are like, what's up? I'm like, we, we put homes <laughs> on Airbnb. I just gotta, you gotta break it down so simple and that's where they're at. So the fact that you're meeting the audience where they're at, you're trying to pull them over and get them into a curated list. It is a form of direct booking in the shape that you're doing. Because yes, even though you are sending them mostly back to the Airbnb profile or the account or the listing, you still have ownership of that data of the guest outside of the platform, which is super important for any of these property owners or brands or even yourself as a marketer, that's I think where people get hung up on is they don't understand that yes, it's Airbnbs and it's the platform itself that you're pushing them to, but you still own the data. And that's huge. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm glad I actually you brought that up because so one of the one of the features that we have, we've got this product that's it's been going through a revamp for four months, way too long, is the it's just it needs to be done, but we're not done with it yet. But anyways, it's called the showroom. And basically anytime people can go and they can like wish list, they can heart like their favorite stays and they can create accounts. And what's cool is if you're a host partner, and somebody like likes or wish list your stay you get access to the, their email address and if you have a mailchimp or whatever email tool you might use for your own kind of communications for your own list that'll automatically integrate with that list so what we're trying to, again what we're what I really want to do is I want to help people who are hungry for these unique stays to be able to meet the hosts of these places and be able to book direct with them that's ultimately what I want to do so that you can cultivate a better more personalized experience and, and everyone wins at the end of the day but the road to get there is just it's just quite frankly it's hard because not everyone cares about direct bookings a lot of the people that have invested in these take wander for example right although well, there may be a bad example because they're doing something a little bit different here but what they're trying to they're owning the entire audience even though they're still listed on airbnb which is funny i don't know if you've seen this but their whole like model is like to verticalize like the whole short-term rental industry which is really it's a very ambitious goal and like i i'm a huge fan of what they're doing but they're still like listing a lot of the time on Airbnb which is funny. But again what they're trying to do right is they're trying to get people used to booking direct and falling in love starting their search with a wander, right? Mm-hmm. I want to help other people do that with these other unique stays. But the problem is the people, you know, behind a lot of these projects are oftentimes playing with institutional capital. These people don't really care about the 7 to 10 to 15% whatever it is that Airbnb ends up taking. They mm-hmm. really it's really about the quantity and growth more than it is about anything else. And I I do think that's actually a bigger friction point than some people might realize when it comes to trying to get more people to book direct is the fact that people are unfortunately like we're lazy and unless it's like super meaningful, unless we're We've just been like totally kicked in the nuts by Airbnb or something like that, the likelihood of us just deciding to 10%, 12%, it doesn't mean as much to people, especially if you have a smaller portfolio, if you have a larger portfolio, then then that starts adding up a little bit. But like the headache, right, is let's be real. Everyone talks about like why you should just book direct and I'm a hundred percent behind that movement. It's a frick ton of work though. Like you don't have a website and then you need a direct booking site and then you need a PMS and like these things don't really integrate that well with each other. Like it's just a lot of work. Maybe at the end of the day, it's worth giving Airbnb their 7% so that you don't have to deal with that headache. Anyways, that was a lot. Yeah.
0: No, I love it. Cause like, even from like the guest perspective, why would I go through The amount of boxes I have to go through in order to book direct when I can just go on Airbnb, if I find the property, I literally hit book now for my dates, I swipe and all of a sudden it books, it uses my card, it does all the things I don't need to add 10,000 boxes of information. Plus, this is the thing that you're probably seeing too. You just made a point. I have to get a PMS and I have to have a website and then the booking engine is not great. And then I have to learn about like SEO and marketing and how to capture emails. And basically (laughs) you're not a property manager anymore. You're a tech, you're a tech and marketing operator. exactly. Like defeats the whole purpose of why you probably get into the industry. Anyways, it's a hard, it's a very hard mission, but at the end of the day, somebody has to do it. And I, I think there's a comment or whatever the phrase is called about, there's a lot of different roads to the same destination. And I think Mm, the spontaneous road is a road to the same destination or outcome of book direct owning control, being like creating a brand and having that piece of understanding that you're building a brand. And yes, it's hard to compete against Airbnb, but, but there are ways to slowly, but surely it's not an overnight battle or not an overnight success. So that's where I think if, Everyone just goes in with that mindset of, okay, it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next week. It's not going to be a year from now. But if I just yeah. keep going and just keep doing little things like adding a spontaneous, adding you know my own property management software, maybe adding a stay fire, this and that, okay. and just getting creative, it does compound over time. So that's, yeah. I think the compound is more important than the, we need to be 100% book direct. That's, yeah. it's almost impossible to go. So because at the end of the day, we are hospitality operators. We're not marketing experts and yeah. technology experts.
1: Yeah, no, it's a lot. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. Cause I, I think that's, it's just a super valid point. What I'd also just say too, is the friction that you do have to jump through when you are booking direct, you've touched on this a little bit. The, again, I won't name names, but like the number mm-hmm. of times where I have found right since understanding that you can book direct, which again, I didn't yeah. even know for <laughs> a year ago, the number of times you go, you click book, right? I get like pop-ups from Google saying this site is not secure or like this, are you <laughs> sure you want to continue? It is sketchy. Like uh, unfortunately yeah. booking direct, depending on the platform that you're using, like it it still looks sketchy. And The worst is like when you're taken to a page, that's clearly like a page that's managed by your P- your PMS. Right. And the mm-hmm. branding kind of looks similar, but it's also, whoa, it's really not. And then you're like, is this the same site? And now you're asking me for these 27 fields, you know, my credit card. And again, like to your point will which is super valid until somebody can create that experience like airbnb via a direct booking and it's truly as simple as hey the ux and ui is so easy to use the trust is so high until that can be replicated and i have not seen that replicated like again i'm a huge fan of the pms's in the space i'm a huge fan of people like mark who's doing these great things with boostly but at the same time yeah. like all the designs look the same and the PMSs like are full of friction. They're not friction free. And yeah. so until we can solve for those two things, which I have to believe is solvable, like it's, mm-hmm. it is solvable. Right. And I think that there's a lot of hope. Right. But until yeah. those things are solved, don't be upset that you have 10% of your bookings are direct. That's great. Yeah. Right? 90% of people aren't going to trust something that looks like that. And unfortunately, yeah. in the context of this, when people are dealing with money and they're dealing with their travels, they're dealing with their vacation, looks do really matter, right? Trust yeah. really does matter. And if it doesn't look as trustworthy as Airbnb does, I know at least if I book with Airbnb and I have an issue, I can take it up with Airbnb, right? I don't have the same trust in you, right? Yeah. And so until we look the part, stop acting like it's a sin to be on the OTAs, right? Like mm-hmm. until you figure out how to create a frictionless experience that is like Airbnb and is just as easy and is just as simple and is just as beautiful right once you do that then complain all you want but until we get there as an industry and whatnot we should just be a little bit more respectful when we have these conversations
0: agreed and at the end of the day this is (laughs) i might get canceled for saying this but this is the one time i'll say we should bring bullying back and that is bullying the (laughs) tech companies to push (laughs) this forward like at the end of the day why is airbnb the only platform that has this good ux And user like everything like why are they the only ones when all these other companies have raised millions of dollars, millions of dollars, yeah, yeah. they have hundreds of
1: engineers on their team. This is not this is it's shocking to me. It's shocking to me. I again, there's an OTA that I've mentioned before (laughs) that I'm on their website and I'm like just like why does the branding suck? Like why is the design horrible? come on yeah. these are not hard problems like to solve they're really not so again i don't know and i've wondered will if maybe this is just like, maybe there's something i'm missing there probably is something that i'm missing and i want these are great people and i want to respect everybody but i'm like where are priorities because if yeah. you want to truly be a competitor compete on design and compete on ux yeah that's pretty much all you need quite
0: frankly 100 and at the end of the day i think we should stop as an industry and you're i'm so glad you brought this up i think we need to stop talking about all these other things until we can actually nail down the simple like there yeah there is something that we are probably missing but at the end of the day i know for a fact it can happen so yeah. that's where i'm like why is nobody putting this up further on the list of priorities so i totally agree with you i totally agree yeah. Zach. we are getting on time and i want to do something bring something back for the show and one thank you again just for bringing all your insight and your this is such a fun conversation so thank you for being a guest on the show
1: i don't get canceled after this man like i i'm just a nobody and people are going to start like blowing up my hating me for all these uh, these hot takes but yeah
0: no i appreciate it man it's been fun no i just said we need to bully people so i'm probably gonna get canceled so <laughs> this is the last episode of slick talk i just kidding. <laughs> but in all reality so i we've been doing the thing we haven't done the last few episodes just before yours because they're a little bit different and unique but doing the thing where we ask our current guest to ask a question for our next guest. And it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be business related or personal. It can be anything under the sun. I would love to know for you, based off of your expertise in interviewing and asking questions, what would be a really good question for the next person?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's really good. So one, one, one of the things that just came to mind is talking about, we talk about our stories a lot. Right? It's One of the things I like to do on my podcast is say, hey, Will, like, where does the story of Hospitality FM begin? It's it's just a fun way to give people the opportunity to take that in whatever direction that they want to share a lot or share a little. But maybe a fun question would be like, what are one or two really crucial pivots, right? That happened in your story that without those pivots, right? You would, your story would be, completely written in a different context or a different light, right? So what are one or two pivots that had those things not happened, where you are today would not have been possible? Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Like what are those like one or two super meaningful pivots that have defined uh, where you've gotten today? And what are some lessons you might've learned from those pivots? I don't know if that love. was good or no. really crappy, but that was just the first thing that
0: popped into my mind. <laughs> That's great. And since I don't have a question from the previous guest before you, for you, I actually want to ask you that question. What are the one to two mm. pivots for Zach Boozacruz that would have rewritten your story if you didn't make? Oh, gosh. I, this is
1: a long story for another time, Will, but I left home at 16. I was born and raised in Hawaii. I ended wow. up leaving halfway through high school and moved across the country to the East Coast and ended up living with a friend and their family and finishing off high school right outside of the DC area in the DC suburbs, actually. And that move totally changed my entire life and my entire trajectory. So I'm very thankful for my parents for letting me move and amicably and in a very supportive way, encouraging me to take this leap and do something wildly different. Because if I hadn't done that, I don't even know. Yeah, I was in a really it it was a dark place it was a tough time in my life and it that move changed everything so Mm -hmm. i'm very thankful for leaving hawaii which is crazy to say right because everyone's you left hawaii
0: like what like you grew up there and you moved to freaking northern virginia but i did
1: and it was the best decision i ever made
0: wow i wish we i wish we hit on this before (laughs) everything else i wish we had time for the whole story but man that's it gave me it gave me chills that's good dang i definitely i think we need to do a part two of this episode yeah, we'll do part two over
1: the like happy hour like we should do we should say we should find time find an excuse to do it in person so it's even like more yes. fun. i'm, I'm down there
0: all right cool we'll have a wine podcast night or something like that we could do, a, do wine cocktails beers whatever go all the above i love it <laughs> zach i always like to ask the final question for our guests to leave if you had any spot for the listener that wants to discover you more reach out, connect, do whatever, what would you want them, what would the destination or the link be that you'd want them to go to directly? I'm pretty
1: active on social media. So if you are on, if you like Twitter, I feel like that there's like a kind of a split audience. There's like the people that love LinkedIn in <laughs> the hospitality world, and there's people that like love Twitter. And they're very different groups of people I've come to realize, <laughs> it's just fun. Uh, but I love everybody. So I love hanging out with both of these fun crowds. So on Twitter, it's my handle is at Z Boozy. that's Z and then B-O-Z-E-E. And then on LinkedIn, my name's hard to spell, but it's Zachary, Z A C H A R Y. And then my last name is Boozy Cruz, B U S E K R U S. If you just type that into LinkedIn search, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Zachary Boozy Cruz. So you won't be able to miss me on that one. But yeah, honestly, dude, this has been a pleasure. I'm a huge fan of everything that you're doing. I think carving out just such a fun it's just so cool to see what you're doing and i'm very honored to get to be a part of it in a small way so thanks for the opportunity man no
0: man we love working with you and it's only the beginning we have much more to do together so i'm excited and yeah just thank you for the opportunity and the time for all of you listeners and potentially live viewers that have watched this episode we would love for you to reach out to zach connect i will make sure everything's linked in the show notes for this episode for you to connect one-on-one and of course like always please can subscribe to everything spontaneous behind the stays and of course slick talk so we'll see you all again next week and zach thank you so much for being on the show thanks man thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making slick talk the hospitality podcast possible we hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on SlickTalkThePodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.